Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, I want to quickly review a talk we had from one of our PGY1 residents, Yoshi Shapiro, on rhinosinusitis. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that rhinosinusitis is not a sexy topic. There's not even anything recent or groundbreaking in the literature, but it is true core content. There are about 20 million cases of rhinosinusitis diagnosed annually in the U.S., and the cost for the disease runs somewhere around $3.5 billion. In fact, one in five antibiotic prescriptions for adults in the U.S. is for sinusitis. Now, we'll get to whether those scripts are indicated or not, but clearly there's a large burden of disease here. Sinusitis is a clinical diagnosis. The most common symptoms are purulent nasal discharge, nasal congestion, and facial pain, but you can also see fever, decreased sense of smell, or ear pressure or fullness. Patients will often have upper respiratory symptoms like cough as well. I don't think we see it much in the ED, but imaging can be used for diagnosis, but shouldn't be performed for simple, uncomplicated presentations. It should also be noted that incidental sinus thickening will be seen frequently on head or face CTs, but that's not a reason to treat them. There are four major classes of sinusitis. There's the acute rhinosinusitis, which is usually symptoms for less than four weeks. There's subacute rhinosinusitis, symptoms for four to 12 weeks. Chronic rhinosinusitis, symptoms greater than 12 weeks. And recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. These are patients who have four or more episodes of acute rhinosinusitis every year. When you look at acute rhinosinusitis, and that's typically what we're going to be seeing in the emergency department and what we're going to focus on, it's almost always going to be viral in origin and almost never bacterial. We often prescribe antibiotics for these patients, but it's unlikely that it'll benefit them in a meaningful way. The Cochrane Group performed a systematic review in 2012, including eight trials and about 1,700 patients comparing antibiotics to placebo in acute rhinosinusitis. They found an NNT, a number needed to treat, of about 18 for faster symptom resolution, which doesn't sound too bad, until you see that they also found a number needed to harm of about eight. For every eight patients you treated, one got side effects, mainly GI, and the number needed to harm for diarrhea was 18. The Cochrane Review also looked at radiologically diagnosed acute maxillary sinusitis and found pretty similar numbers, an NNT of about 15 and an NNH or a number needed to harm of about eight for side effects. The NNT.com has a great review of both of these topics, and we'll link those in the show notes. Part of the absence of robust benefit for antibiotics springs from the fact that it's hard to tell viral from bacterial sinusitis, and so often clinicians will treat both of them with antibiotics. Sputum color doesn't help, and neither does pain or fever. One thing that appears to hold up is duration of symptoms. Acute viral rhinosinusitis appears to typically resolve in about 7 to 10 days, and fevers don't usually persist past 48 hours. If the patient has URI symptoms that don't improve by 10 days, or they worsen after 5 to 7 days, or they've got 3 to 4 days of fever and continued purulent discharge, you should consider that there may be a bacterial cause of that sinusitis. What about the dreaded bacterial superinfection? This is where the patient initially had acute rhinosinusitis, likely viral, but then gets a bacterial infection on top of that. This appears to occur in only about 0.5 to 2% of patients, so it's pretty uncommon, 
And there's really no evidence demonstrating that giving antibiotics up front will prevent it from occurring. Overall, when you look at the Cochrane reviews, you find that about 80% of patients with clinical sinusitis will resolve without any specific treatment. Given the high frequency of adverse events, it doesn't seem to make much sense to treat the majority of these presentations. Unless, of course, the patient has prolonged symptoms, they get better, and then they start to get worse again. Additionally, I would consider treating patients who are immunocompromised, so chronic steroid use, AIDS, brittle diabetics, hepatic or renal disease, and patients with recent ENT procedures. If antibiotics don't work, what should we offer to patients? Clearly, analgesia with acetaminophen or NSAIDs is going to be helpful. There's not a ton of high-quality evidence behind decongestions, but topical ones can be used, as can nasal saline sprays. It seems that topical oxymetazoline or afrin is the most commonly used and can be effective. In the patients you decide to give antibiotics to, amoxicillin clavulanic acid 875-125 twice a day seems to be the go-to medication. You can also use clindamycin, cephalosporins, or fluoroquinolones in penallergic patients. All right, let's finish up with some take-home points. Number one, sinusitis is a clinical diagnosis. Patients typically present with purulent nasal discharge, nasal congestion, and facial pain, as well as some other nonspecific URI symptoms. Number two, the vast majority of patients with acute rhinosinusitis will be viral in nature and will not benefit from antibiotics. And then number three, patients with prolonged symptoms, more than seven to 10 days, without showing signs of improvement or continued fevers past two to three days should be considered for antibiotic treatment, as should those who are immunocompromised. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.